Welcome back to Conversations Podcast. I'm Scott Law. And I'm Terry Law. We're glad to be here with you today. We're continuing to talk about how to hear the voice of God. And Dad, why don't you start off? Uh, It's so important, especially in the contemporary uh, scene here in America with things going on in the country the way they are with COVID virus, with the financial hassles, everything else that's going on. There's riots in our streets. They're trying to rob the police of their pay in some of the major cities of the of the nation. Basically, with whatever is going on now in contemporary America, if there was ever a time that we need to hear the Lord, it's now. And our these times that Scott and I are, are spending with you are to really focus on that point. And we've I think we've done about six podcasts on this, Scott. Yeah, on how to hear the and voice of God. And we're going to do yeah. another one today. But uh, I, I would like you to read uh, the scripture verses from Luke, if you would, please. Sure. We're This is referencing Jesus in the wilderness. Yes. In Luke 4, I believe. And uh, we're going to start with verse 1 and then go to verse 14. Luke 4, 1 says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Let's just pause there for a moment. Satan didn't suddenly attack Jesus surprisingly in the wilderness. The Holy Spirit organized that confrontation. It had nothing to do with the devil. I'll comment to you now and say if the devil could have been anywhere else, he would have been anywhere else. But the Bible says Jesus was led by the Spirit. Now, that's what I'm trying to say to you about hearing the voice of God. It was the Holy Spirit that took Jesus into the wilderness for three temptations that Satan brought to him. It's interesting in the temptations themselves that Jesus answered the temptation of the devil by using the Word of God. It is written. He did that because Satan had used the Word of God in bringing a temptation. One of the amazing facts of Scripture is that Satan is well-schooled in the Bible. He understands what the Bible says. Now, he and demons, the same group, they uh, know the Word of God. They tremble, but it doesn't change them. Uh, They are opposed to God, absolutely opposed. So anyway, I I want you to catch the picture here of Jesus being led by the Holy Spirit. He's just been to John. John recognized him coming at at, at John the Baptist at the Jordan River. And he says, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And then he baptizes Jesus in the water. When Jesus comes out of the water, a dove descends from heaven in the form of the Holy Spirit upon Jesus. Now, it is so significant that the first thing the Holy Spirit organized, he has just come freshly on the life of, of Jesus, the Son of God. Now, the first thing he does is saying, we've got something, some business we've got to take care of. And he takes Jesus in the wilderness, and there they meet Satan, and the three temptations take place. Now, each of the three temptations is answered by Jesus with the phrase, it is written. He quotes the Bible directly. That is so important to understand. The Word of God is called the sword of the Lord. It's a, uh, a weapon. And it is so important that we learn how to use God's word as a weapon against the enemy. When Jesus said, it is written, 
he he stopped any kind of response that Satan would have. Now, after he had gone through the three temptations, uh, let's go down to verse 14, Scott, in Luke chapter 4. And I want you to notice something striking here. It's quite amazing. Sure. Verse 14, Luke 4, 14. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. Isn't it interesting the words that uh, Luke uh, uses here in the God? When Jesus met the Satan in the wilderness, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Now, when Jesus answers Satan's temptations with three quotations from Scripture, when he comes out of the wilderness, he's got more than fullness. He went in full. But the point I want to make here is when he came out, he came out in the power. Mm. And that's the difference that takes place in our life when we learn to use the Word of God as a weapon against the enemy. If Satan is tempting you and he's doing things to try to mess you up, one of the greatest counsels I can give to anybody is to learn how to use God's Word as a weapon because it is the Word of God that drives Satan. Satan can't handle it. He can't respond to it. And as soon as Jesus said it is written, he declared who was, who was Lord in the wilderness. It certainly wasn't the devil. The devil had been influenced by the Holy Spirit to be there for Jesus. But, but notice that phrase again in verse 14. Would you read it one more time, Scott? Sure. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. When Jesus went into the wilderness, I repeat it one last time here, when he went in, he was full. I know a lot of people who are full of the Holy Spirit and uh, who may not be living in victory. But uh, you don't deal with the devil and handle the devil with the word of God without gaining power. And here's the lesson. Jesus went in full. He came out with power. My question to you is, how important is it for you to hear the Word of God? How important is it for you to be able to answer Satan with Scripture? How to hear the voice of God, read this portion from the temptations of Christ, and understand the importance of God's Word on your lips. When you're talking, it it kind of, it sounds like we're talking about a spiritual workout in that when you use scripture, when you listen to scripture, when you read scripture, when you combat the enemy with scripture, it's like you're lifting weights and mm-hmm. you're empowering and strengthening your body. That's good. You're, you're strengthening your, your spiritual self, but you're also, uh, in a sense, strengthening your entire body against the enemy and building your faith up. Right. And your strength, it's like a spiritual workout. And so when you withhold scripture, when you say you're a Christian and you don't read scripture, you don't listen to scripture, uh, you don't attend church, you don't listen to anything online, you're really weakening your body. Mm-hmm. There is an atrophy happening. Yes. You are atrophying your very spirit. But when you do engage with scripture on a daily basis, if you're able to, that builds yourself up. You strengthen yourself and you're able to do what Jesus did. And you know, so many Christians... I declare that they're spirit-filled, but they don't actively use the Word of God in an offensive strategy. And that's something that 
if you want to hear the voice of God. That's something every one of us has to spend time focusing on Scripture, getting Scripture down in your heart. Wonderful. Uh, want to jump to the next verse? Sure. Next, next passage is Romans eight fourteen through 16. Mm-hmm. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Okay, let's go back and back to verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are children of God, daughters and sons. As many as are led. Now that word led in the Greek is in the ever-present tense. In other words, for as many as are being led. Continually Continually being being led. led by the Spirit. These are the sons of God. So you're not a son of God just because you were led by God 25 years ago. And yeah, my father used to tell the story of a guy who had a blessed experience. <laughs> and every time someone came to visit him, he'd go, he had written it out on a piece of paper and he'd go out and get it out of the attic and read his blessed experience to whoever was visiting with him. And uh, one day, he went up into the attic and he came back with a startled look on his face. And he said, the rats got my, my blessed experience. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, the point I'm taking here is being led is in constant contact, in constant flow. And it's so important. And I'm, I'm going to talk about this in the podcast going forward here, about the importance and how to get into a position to being led. But as many... Let's go back to it. For as many as are being led by the Spirit of God, they are sons of God. Now, down to verse 16. Let's look at that one more time. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. The, the King James uses the word witness. His spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Uh, if someone ever asked you, Scott, have you ever heard the voice of God? What would your answer be? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, now, how do we hear the voice of God? This verse is the most important verse in the Bible on how you actually hear the voice of God. His spirit bears witness with our spirit. We're talking two spirits here. The Holy Spirit. Now, when we're filled with the Spirit, uh, when we have the gift of the Spirit, we speak in tongues, we, we, we pray uh, to the Lord in the power of, our, uh, of the Holy Spirit. It's important to notice that God, if you, when you hear God's voice, it's not something that's going to thunder in your ear. Uh, the Bible says of uh, uh, when God was speaking to Elijah, when Elijah ran from Jezebel and uh, she wanted to kill him, I think it's Mount Horeb, in Israel, he had fled to the mountain, and the Bible says there came a thunder, an earthquake, there came a fire, there came a storm, but God was not in either of those. He was in the still, small voice. And uh, it's so important to understand that when you hear the voice of God, it won't be in your ears, in your physical ears. It's going to be a prompting. It's going to be a whisper. 
away down in your heart. And only by getting sensitive to the whisper will you be able to hear the voice of God. And it will come to you often as a prompting. And I'm going to get into this more uh, as we move forward. But get this verse and, and get it, if I can say it, get it under your belt. And that is the fact that his spirit bears witness with our spirit. Now, how does his spirit witness with our spirit? He, he witnesses and he says, you are the children of God. Everyone who knows they're a Christian, who declares they're a Christian, they've already heard God's voice. When? It happened the moment you realized and the Holy Spirit witnessed with your spirit, you're a child of God, you know that. And nobody can take it away from you. Everybody has heard the voice of God, especially if you know that you're a Christian. So that's the point I want to make here. And uh, if someone says, are you born again? Yeah, oh, yes, I am. Uh, How do you know? Well, his spirit bore witness with my spirit, so I know it. And you can't talk me out of it. So that, that, that's a, a good place to be in God. Let's, let's move on now to uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.23. 1 Thessalonians 5.23. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. All right, let's notice here that Paul, writing to the Thessalonians, He's defining the fact that a believer is is a three-part being. And uh, Paul says the words here, I pray that God will sanctify you, spirit number one, soul number two, body number three. Most of us, in looking at ourselves, start with our body. But the Bible starts with your spirit. Mm -hmm. The spirit is the most important part of you. And I want to define now, if I can, spirit, soul, and body, so we understand what's going on inside of us when we seek to hear the voice of God. In our bodies, we have five senses, touch, taste, smell, sight, and hearing. Most people on the face of the earth operate out of one of the five senses, and We have five senses to make us world conscious. If you saw me and knew me, uh, you would recognize me on the street because you, my body is familiar. I'm losing hair, too much hair, (laughs) and uh, I'm semi-bald. My weight is good, but if you look at me and size me up, then you recognize me and you'll know me. So uh, it's very important that we, we understand again that the five senses make us world conscious. We learn the world through touch, taste, smell, sight, and hearing. Now, the second part of mankind is the soul. And the soul makes you self-conscious. Back again, the body makes you world-conscious the uh, majesty of everything in the world, that's picked up by your body, but your soul makes you self-conscious. What does that mean? It makes you aware of yourself. It's ego. You understand who you are because, hey, when you get up in the morning, uh, do you wander over to the mirror and look at your hair all a mess and say, 
I'd like to improve on that before I go to work today <laughs> and scare everybody at work. But the, the whole idea is you are aware of your looks. You are aware of the impact you're having. You are self-conscious. And the self wants to improve what the body looks like, just like having a, a look in a mirror. Now, there are three constituent parts of your soul. Number one, you have intelligence. I'm going to give all of you the benefit of the doubt You're on that You're being very one. kind there, Dad. I'll give that one to you as well, Scott. We all have intelligence or mind. The second part that we have in our soul is emotion. We all feel emotion in various degrees. And you are a unique individual because of the interplay of your soul, your intelligence, your emotion. And then finally, the third part of the soul is the will. And when we are judged before God, we won't be judged for our intelligence and how much we had. We won't be judged for our emotion. But we will be judged for our acts and our deeds and what we've done. And that is decided by your will. So the most important part of the soul of man is his will. That is what we will be responsible before God for in our life. Now, the third part of a human being is the spirit, and that's the most important part. Let me say it again. The body makes you world conscious, your soul makes you self-conscious, and the spirit makes you God conscious. His spirit bears witness with our spirit. There we are. And so the word of Paul in Thessalonians ties right in with the word in Romans. His spirit bears witness with our spirit. But your spirit, God, is apprehended by the human spirit. You don't understand God in your mind. You may understand theology in your mind. You just said apprehended. I'm, you mean comprehended. Comprehended, sorry. sorry. <laughs> Say that again. All right. <clears throat> anyway, God makes you, uh, spirit makes you God conscious, and God is apprehended in your spirit. So. Apprehended? Sure, it's apprehended and comprehended, both. Okay, okay. Both words okay. apply. Okay. So uh, that's an English lesson. All right, all right. Scott's stepmother is my wife, Barbara, and Barbara's an English professor at ORU. So now he thinks he's smarter than I am. And some of it is rubbed off <laughs> on her husband. There you go. But uh, you hear God's voice in your spirit. So it is so important that we develop our spirits. Let, let, me, let me jump in real quick, just to finish off this thought on First Thessalonians. Uh, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So spirit, then soul, then body. That's how Paul chose to, to unpack it, mm -hmm. in, in likely in order of importance, right? Mm -hmm. And yet, physiologically and anatomically, uh, within each human, we develop in inverse order. Mm -hmm. Our body our five spend senses spend a lot of time on the body and that develops quicker at first then you become self oriented as you get several years old you're you're real you know coming of age developing your soul that comes after the body mm -hmm. you have to eat drink and feel and and then the whole spiritual component comes afterwards so the the longest developed part of us is our body mm -hmm. but that's the least important Right, exactly. The next important is the the mind, will, and emotions. You've had less time to develop that. So, and and the spirit is is far less than that. 
Mm-hmm. So, and I, I just find it interesting that in that order, it's inverse of what each of us as humans experience. Right. We have we less our time. time. We spend more time with the body and the soul than we do the spirit. And we spend more time listening and speaking to our body. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm hungry. Oh my gosh, I, I'm distracted. Oh, I need to go run here. Oh, I need to do this. And less time on our soul and our spirit. And that's what the scripture is saying, that we, we need to spend a little more time in the spirit and, and the soul and, and the that, body. That'll be the next step I take, Scott, in telling our friends uh, listening to us how to de- develop the human spirit, how to make your spirit sensitive to God. And that brings us to the next verse. Matthew 4.4. Uh, 4. Matthew 4.4. 4. Sure. Matthew 4.4. 4. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Okay, man shall not live by bread alone. I'm talking now the King James, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. What, what word does that verse have for proceeds? But every word that comes. Comes, okay. But uh, the important part to see in this verse is it has an accent on the ever-present tense just as the way Romans 8, 14, as many as are being led by the Spirit. Now, this verse says, Matthew 4, 4, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds. Now, notice, the word proceeds there, again, is in the ever-present tense. And it proceeds, where? Out of the mouth of God. Now, there's a dynamite truth here that I want to uh, open up, and then we'll, we'll get into more of it in, in the days ahead. But it's important that you understand. And, and the word, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. Now, that word, word, in the Greek, is not logos. There are two words for, for the word of God in Scripture. One of them is logos. Logos is the divine, eternal word forever settled in heaven. It's the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, including everything. It is the total revelation of God to man. That is Logos. The word rhema, which is used in this verse, is simply defined as a word that is spoken. Don't you find it interesting here that when Matthew writes, he says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every rhema that is currently proceeding now, where? Out of the mouth of God. In other words, a rhema is spoken by God. And it's the wor- mouth of God that makes that word come alive. And, you know, I think we shared this last session, Scott, when I. I talked about hearing God's voice and the importance of the fact that our spirit picks it up from the Holy Spirit, but God makes his word alive to us. And that is when we hear. How many times have we read scripture? A hundred times more. Read it and read it, and all of a sudden one day you pick it up and read it, and it's saying something different than you ever had heard before. That's when God himself, the Holy Spirit, has grabbed a hold of the word and brought a truth to you. And that is the key. That is the absolute key to hearing the voice of God. The series of these talks is how do you hear the voice of God? And the only way you can hear the voice of God 
is to hear the rhema of God. Now, we'll pick that up our, our next time around on, on this, but uh, we're leaving on a strong point here. There is a word from God proceeding to you right now. It is constantly proceeding. It's in the ever-present tense. It's always coming. Our job in our human spirit is to pick up what the Holy Spirit is saying. And that's how we start to hear the voice of God. Mm, that's good stuff. I love the inference that says mouth of God and what comes from your mouth, words, but what also? Breath. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Numa, is, breath. Right. The, the breath, breath of, of God. God, the mouth of God, the Holy Spirit. Right. Breathes the, the, the essence and the words from God into our spirit. Amen. And we have to pick that up. Amen. We have to pick that up. That's wonderful. Thank you for joining us today. We, we've enjoyed it. was good. Dad was on, on a roll here. Uh, you were on fire. It was good. I enjoyed listening mm-hmm. to you. Thank you for sharing. Hope you enjoyed it as well. Grace and peace on you all. We look forward to talking to you guys again soon. Take care. Thank you for listening today to the Conversations Podcast with Terry Law and Scott Law. We hope you enjoyed it. This podcast has been brought to you by our sponsor, Terry Law Speaks. Go to terrylawspeaks.com if you'd like to book Terry to speak at your church or special event. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and many of the other major podcast platforms. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We'll see you next time as we continue to share the love and grace of God with you and with those who've yet to hear.